If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 141. Always take your camera. You know, again, it is really easy to not want to carry the camera and potentially extra lenses and things like that. Because again, you know, we're carrying in our boats, we're carrying in our first aid kits, we're carrying in, you know, extra equipment. And then all of a sudden we're talking about another six or seven pounds. And I know when I'm feeling lazy, it's really easy to come up with a reason for why I shouldn't bring the camera. <laughs> Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, and... I am excited to share with you this conversation that I just had with a good friend of mine, a phenomenal photographer, videographer, content creator, as well as paddler and whitewater kayaker. We get to listen to the story of Casey Bryant-Jones and how he got into paddle sports, how he is taking his passion behind photography, turning it into a side hustle, and hopefully turning it into a career. Um, I think this is going to be a conversation and an episode that you guys are going to want to listen to as he gives so much advice for anybody that wants to turn their passion into that side hustle, into that career, as well as uh, some really great tactical advice and blueprint for someone who wants to further into the world of photography, um, make some passive income on the side, and yeah, just a a great conversation, some amazing advice, and let's uh, wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Casey Bryant-Jones. Well, first off, Casey, I'm stoked uh, to get you here on the podcast with The Art of Awesome, as we've just had some epic days paddling together in Hawaii. Yeah, it's been super fun. It was super fun. And yeah, we were talking a whole bunch. And so excited to get you here. And I wanted to kind of kick us off and start a little bit um, 
kind of how you got into paddling and a little bit uh, to where you are to today, because we actually started paddling together when we were both fairly young. Um, and yeah, we have kind of similar stories, but yeah, kind of fill us in a little bit of how you got into the sport and then kind of through into the filmmaking and a little bit into what you're doing now. Yeah. So getting into the sport uh, is just kind of virtue of where we grew up. Uh, I grew up really close to the Nanahala Outdoor Center and my older brother saw kayaking uh, just by chance one time and he wanted to get into it. And then the whole family got into it and I begrudgingly went kayaking for years uh, until I finally got into it. Uh, I guess I was probably close to 13 when I got like super into it. And, you know, just again, by virtue of being in such an incredible place or growing up in an incredible place, you got to meet a lot of really cool people and, um, you know, got connected with some incredible paddlers when we were really young, uh, specifically Wayne Dickert, who at the time was running the Nanahala Outdoor Center Paddle School and uh, Chris Hipgrave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne's a super cool guy. I think he's actually... I think he's a pastor now just outside yeah. of uh, the NOC, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, he's really... actually working as a minister for uh, First United Methodist in Bryson City. Yeah, but very cool dude and always stoked to uh, to catch up with him when I'm in that that Nanahala NOC area. Um, but yeah, so, so you got into paddling super young with your family um, and your older brother and then kind of talk us into where did your passion for, you know, filmmaking photo all that kind of stuff uh kick off and then where did that take you into um you know going into post-education college uh and into the real world as we like to call it sometimes yeah um so my parents actually got me a camera like my first camera when i was 12 and the reason they got me a camera is my brother was a troll underneath the bridge <laughs> at uh, the Okoe at Hell Hole. And I was not paddling a lot at the time. And so my mom wanted me to have uh, productive time while she was making me sit on the riverbank to watch my brother paddle. Um, so I started taking photos then and it just kind of took off from there. Um, just the, the desire to take photos and video everywhere I went um, and just had a lot of opportunities come up that were really cool. Um, <clears throat> when I got into university down in the Atlanta area, had an opportunity to do some photography and uh, very little video at the time, but mostly photography um, at concerts and kind of nightclubs and things like that, which was super fun and eye-opening and just like a totally different experience altogether. And Uh, It actually led into a decision for a a career pathway um, being radiology. Um, So I actually worked as a MRI technologist for a number of years. And, you know, the idea of medical imaging fits along the same premises photography. You have very strict rules to create certain contrasts. And that, you know, made a lot of sense to me at the time. So. That's awesome. As far as just photography goes, because I have very little uh, knowledge in the whole radiology um, department, but um, did you learn anything about photography when you were doing that and your schooling or was it vice versa? Did you having experience of photography help out? Kind of how did that fit together? I think it helped just create parallels. There's not a lot of you know, crossover between the two, but the idea is the same. You're trying to create a specific image, right? Um, right so right. 
if you're wanting to create a long exposure image that makes the water look super soft, you know, you have to use certain uh, parameters to create that. And that's the same thing with um, MRI as well as like you, you use certain parameters to create different contrasts. And so understanding that helped kind of uh, facilitate learning that. Uh, that's cool. Of, yeah. And so how long were you, were you in that field for? Oh man, almost six years. <laughs> nice. So six years doing MRIs uh, in a hospital. You were in Atlanta still, is that correct? Yeah, I was at uh, it, down in the Atlanta area. And um, again, by virtue of just being there, um, you know, I, I'd stopped kayaking altogether for a couple of years and um, then decided to pick it back up again and got, uh, got actually got my first boat again down at the uh, Whitewater Express down on the Chattahoochee and uh in columbus georgia and that's where i started kayaking again which was super fun and i uh, got connected with some paddlers in the northeast georgia area and those guys definitely lit the fire again for sure so that's cool and then w tell me a little bit or or maybe kind of uh fill us in with the listeners of your story of exiting the MRI hospital world and kind of continuing back into the paddle sports world. Cause I think you actually, we were talking about that over some beers after a river trip uh, last week, but, it, but I thought it was a pretty interesting story and I just, I'd love for you to share it a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, the two people I mentioned at the beginning, Chris Hipgrave and Wayne have both been kind of like extra dads to both me and my brother um, throughout our lives. And when I decided that I didn't want to work in the hospital anymore, um, what I decided to do was actually first, uh, you know, kind of, I was looking at taking a job in the Cherokee area. And then second, um, I actually reached out to Chris and was talking to him. And originally when I was talking to Chris, there was an opening at NOC to be the events coordinator. Um, and so I went and interviewed and Chris basically was just like, you would be really good for this, but I can go ahead and tell you, you don't want to do this. <laughs> it was like, if you want to, to paddle and you want to do some of these things and you're, you're already taking a pay cut, like you should come and work at the kayak school. Like that's what you should do if that's what you want to do. And, um, you know, he then told me that he was, you know, kind of brokering a deal with David Hughes down at the Pukong kayak, uh, hostel, which is now the retreat. And he was like, you should go down there and work and just, you know, try it out and see what it's all about. And uh, so that was the, the goal when, you know, moving in towards NOC was to try to get an opportunity to, to paddle in Chile and work in Chile and got to do that for a couple of years. And that was super awesome and super fun. But, um, you know, anybody that works in the outdoor industry knows that it's a seasonal business and, you know, you have to find ways to hustle to, to make money in different ways. And, a lot of people do different things. It, it could be, um, you know, going and selling Christmas trees or whatever. Um, but for me, one of the things that was a kind of like an automatic shoe and was starting to do some photography work and there were opportunities at NOC to do some. Um, there was also opportunities with some local breweries to do photo and video for them. Um, and then also started doing a lot of wedding photography and videography as well. So it became a really good way to augment, um, you know, some of the uh, opportunities that, uh, had changed, um, you know, my, the kind of the, the, I guess the, um, way I was living my life. So, yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. And I, I like how you talk about how, um, especially within our industry, but I, I, I almost feel like this is, 
in a lot of different industries, you, you kind of need that side hustle, um, especially in paddle sports. Everybody, maybe not everybody, but I think often people think that, you know, if you become a, a professional kayaker or something like that or, or a kayak instructor or anything that they're like, oh, sweet, you've got it made in the sun. You know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe not exactly. I kind of need <laughs> I kind of need a side hustle to actually pay more for me to go kayaking or to do trips or to kind of uh, help offset some of the costs that that come with that. Um, and I love how you were able to take something that you were super passionate about already and just kind of add that to whether you call it the repertoire or the Rolodex or, or whatever, just of, of like a, a, an additional side hustle and, and almost expand that too beyond just, you know, taking photos for maybe NOC or, or different things like that, but also tapping into some local breweries or doing some wedding photography and, and kind of branching out that way as well. Uh, you also said something, again, just because I was super intrigued while we were paddling together last week a ton. Um but about how there's a website that you that you even use to to kind of sell some of your photos as well, and and I thought that was really interesting um, that you can kind of make it a little bit more passive and how you're able to again take this passion of yours, which is photography, especially kind of outdoor photography from what I've seen, um, and almost turn it into more of a passive side hustle. Can you can you kind of break that down a little bit for us? Yeah. So you know. I am a, a avid YouTube watcher. Um, and one of my favorite people to follow on YouTube is Peter McKinnon. Yep. And he's the one that kind of broke it open for me, uh, thinking about stock photography. And that's actually how he got his start as a photographer as well. And he managed to be on kind of the leading edge of it. And, you know, again, every every website's a little bit different, but, um, definitely the big ones, the big ones that definitely get the most traffic are like Getty images, uh, Shutterstock, um, iStock photos, uh, deposit photos. Some of those are kind of like the biggest. Um, and you, you know, there's even one that I got served an ad today that I probably will sign up for after this podcast is called the uh, pick fair. Okay. Yeah. I mean like they're just, again, you know, there's so many different options out there and you can put your photos up in a number of different places, obviously. Um, you know, but, uh, with that being said, you know, one of my personal goals for myself again, this year is to actually have a, a full functional website, um, up this year. Uh, and again, the reason for that is an, another, uh, Peter McKinnon video, uh, just because he said, you know, your social media is not your portfolio. And I am guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. Because most of the contacts that I've had for prints, prints that I've sold, um, not necessarily digital photos or stock photos, but the prints themselves have, have actually been people reaching out and asking, you know, how can I buy this photo from you? That's cool. Like as, as if they saw it on your social media first and then just saw it on social media first and, and asked the question. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, the fruits of starting a website and having an actual place where people can go and purchase prints will pay off a little bit, but, uh, that's, that's the awesome. goal. That's the goal for this year. I, I love that. And, and there's a couple things in particular, um, that I find super intriguing. I, I guess, first off when you're doing, are, are you like putting your photos in all of those different um, stock photo websites or is it, or do you just kind of pick one or do you kind of just go for it all? 
I'm using three right now. And basically what I'm doing is I'm changing what I'm using on each different site. So I don't okay. upload the same photos to every website. Then the reason why is I want to make the portfolio or what I'm offering different for every site to find out where the most interest is. Yep. So I've got water-based and, you know, kind of like, uh, kind of kayaking related things on one. I have all landscapes on another. And then if I've made good portrait photos that don't necessarily show a person's likeness, um, then I'll upload them to another. So cool. Yeah. And so far the landscapes have definitely been the easiest and the best. And I think that's just a product of kayaking and just the incredible places that we can go in our kayaks. And, you know, honestly, like everybody should have a camera everywhere they go because by virtue of the sport that we do, we get to go to some pretty incredible places. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, I, I, that's actually a big part of why I also, you know, started shooting uh, video and photo was simply to, to share the experience because I was like, man, this is so cool. I, I can't wait to either, you know, show my friends back in high school when I was first starting or like show my parents or just anybody that I was like, you, you guys aren't going to believe what I got to see today type thing. Totally. Um, yeah. And I, I also love in your story, Casey, how you're talking about how, you know, you're following someone like Peter McKinnon and essentially using YouTube to further your passion and and your side hustle and, and also turn it into whether you consider it a business or, or, again, side hustle or just make it more profitable and just how much information and knowledge truly is out there on YouTube. I know I had done a, an interview um, several back with Rafa about, you know, quote-unquote YouTube University, but really there's just so much information available out there. Um, you just kind of got to look for it. Yeah, I mean, the kind of the collective of YouTube folks out there, um, specifically photography and video. I mean, there, there's really some pretty incredible, um, tutorials out there. There's good suggestions. I mean, even gear reviews, um, you know, my fiance Katie hates when I'm trying to decide what I'm getting ready to buy, because I will watch every YouTube video before I buy it. I want to yeah. know everything about what I'm about to buy. Even before I rent it, I will look up every YouTube video just to find out if it's going to be a waste of time or if I should look at something else. Um, and so, you know, the people like Peter or um, even Chris Howell, who, you know, um, they, they really put out a lot of great information and, you know, it's, it's so easy to come by. Uh, it, it's information that you would have to go 10 years ago. Um, you know, like you would have to go read at the bottom of some message board, and spend two hours trying to find it, you know, and yeah. now it's like you put it into YouTube and five minutes later, you've learned exactly what you needed to learn. That's cool. When, when you were talking about uh, like renting the gear, so are you, are you researching the gear and then will you go rent it before you purchase it? Yeah. If, it, if it's like a really expensive piece of equipment, um, it'll be something that I want to put hands on and try. Um, if it's a lens or something akin to that, like, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize, but when you buy a mid-tier level lens and then you buy a high-tier level lens, even if it's by the same company, there are certain things like autofocus and things like that that are faster on the better lens than mm -hmm. on the mid-tier lens. And so if you're going and shooting, say, if you're like a, a football photographer, right, or a basketball photographer, you need to have pinpoint accuracy at the click of a button, you know. And so they're going to go out and buy those. And 
you know, obviously if, if I were going to go and shoot a really important sporting event, it would be something that I would go and pick up myself. Uh, most of my lenses are kind of mid-tier lenses, uh, in all honesty, but if, if I were going to go that route, uh, and there are a number of kayakers that do shoot sporting events, um, you know, they probably have spent that money and gotten that high end lens. So, yeah, well, that's, that's actually great advice and something that I have yet to do in all the camera gear that I've bought over the years. I don't think I've ever once rented it before I bought it. Maybe I should do that more often. So I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, take that into account and, and hopefully, uh, implement that into maybe the next piece of gear that I buy. But Casey, what, what would be your best piece of advice for, um, you know, I always like to use the term, you know, like a, a young photographer or something like that, but really anybody who is passionate about uh, photography and kind of wants to turn it into more of a side hustle or possibly even more of a career in the future, um, what might be just a, f- a, a few first steps that kind of help give them that blueprint along the way? Um, first and foremost, your gear is not the problem. Your gear is never the problem. Um, I think that would be number one. When I first got started, I I had, uh, gas, uh, gear acquisition syndrome. So it was just like buying as much gear as I could. And I wasn't ever really truly learning how to use it properly. Um, and so that was like a big, um, drag as I was learning, uh, about cameras and learning about shooting at a higher end. Um, you know, I definitely bought some pieces of equipment that I really didn't need or, uh, potentially purchase some things that I didn't need quite yet. Um, you know, and so that would be number one. And then number two is that it's really easy to get focused on seeing these like super awesome pieces of equipment that are huge and nice. Um, like definitely had gear envy seeing rush shoot on a red camera. And I went out and got a kind of entry level cinema camera. And one of the things that I didn't take into account when I purchased it is how much more setup time there is. And I find that I still shoot more on my hybrid mirrorless camera than I do on the cinema camera because the setup time and the boot up time is shorter. And so it's like, are you better off spending a lot of money on this super fancy camera or are you better off bringing a camera with you on the water that's going to allow you to shoot every day, right? Yeah. Uh, it's something that's easy to shoot with and that you're going to use every day. Um, so really the, the best camera is the camera that you're willing to go out and use every day and that you're willing to carry everywhere because those cinema cameras are heavy too. Yeah. Did you find, I, I remember when I talked with Rush when he was first getting into uh, shooting with the red cameras, the other thing that I, I'm not certain whether he was aware of at the time, but definitely something that we had talked about was just how much space, like how many gigabytes that you're, yeah. you're taking up when you're filming with, you know, a cinema camera. Was that an issue for you as well? Um, yes and no. I, I had done a little bit of research and there's two options with kind of your entry level cinema cameras when it comes to, uh, actual, um, data. Um, and one is using what's called a CFAS card. And those cards are literally a dollar a gigabyte. Um, and so that one of the cards I have is a five twelve gigabyte card. And so you can guess how much that card costs. Um, I ended up doing some more research after buying the card, which, you know, really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And I found out that there was a, what's called a video recorder. And with those cinema cameras, you have to buy a monitor anyway. 
And if I had done the research ahead of time, I would have gotten the monitor that I have now and then started recording to SSDs instead, because now I have a four terabyte SSD that I, you know, do all of my recording to. And uh, it's, again, seems to work more flawlessly. The setup time is faster. The boot up time of the recorder is faster than the old, uh, you know, monitor that I had. So all of these things I've, I've learned kind of through trial by error, but yes, you do use a lot more space. Um, you know, I think I shot while I was down in uh, Ecuador with my fiance, Katie, we went out and shot a little bit of the Quijos river and I shot maybe, I don't know, 15 clips or so and shot it in 4k ProRes raw. And it was almost a terabyte of footage. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, you know, it, it was quite a lot of footage. So, um, but it does give you a lot of flexibility if you're coloring and changing the contrasts and things like that. There's a lot of flexibility there. So, yeah. I also like how you're talking about, uh, as far as gear goes, just go out and shoot with the camera that you've got or the one that you're willing to carry all the time. And ironically, whether I've just gotten, you know, lazier over the years or whether it's just easier and simpler or what, but but I shoot so much with my GoPro because it's the camera that I've got. You know what I mean? Whether it's either I can just leave it on my helmet all day long or I can put it in my pocket or my life jacket or anything like that. And so um, I, I think too... I mean, I guess another phone, like another camera that I shoot with a lot is, is my iPhone uh, because it's in my pocket. So I think you're totally right. Just, you know, um, get used to like taking the camera that you've got or, or taking the camera that you're going to have with you or that you want to carry versus just always uh, going and buying the biggest, best thing and then never taking it with you because it's too big and takes too long to start up or anything like that. Right. No, I mean, I think with the advancements in GoPros and the advancements in the iPhones and things like that, it, it is pretty amazing what you can capture. And, you know, with an iPhone, most of the good rescue jackets out there have the clamshell pockets and you've got a pocket that's big enough to just slide your iPhone in and out of. And, uh, you know, I, I teach kayaking on the Ottawa River and, uh, you know, work for Wilderness Tours and Ottawa Kayak School. And, uh, I will tell you that most of the videos that we post um, of rafting, of kayaking, they're coming from iPhones. And the reason why is you have, uh, you know, really good 4K footage that comes out of it. The phone is, you know, pretty well waterproof, uh, all things considered, uh, except for the charging port. And so if you keep the charging port dry, you can get some really cool angles. And then GoPros themselves, I mean, they really come a long way even in the last three years with some sensor upgrades and things like that so it's pretty amazing the quality that you get out of those um all things considered so yeah no the, the cameras definitely continue to take uh leaps and bounds forward and who knows where we'll be at in in a couple more years um i also wanted to ask casey as you know the two of us are both heavily involved in in the sport of whitewater kayaking and, and I think actually a, a fair amount um, or maybe the majority of my listeners are also heavily involved usually with whitewater kayaking. Um, what might be three of your best tips for shooting kayaking specific or maybe maybe we'll even kind of uh, 
brought it up to water sport specific uh, images. Do you have three three best tips or three like secrets up your up your sleeve? Uh, so number one, uh, invest in a watershed dry bag. Number one, uh, it's it's so much easier dealing with a watershed bag. The opening, uh, especially if you're using um, the 303 or some type of T-zip lubricant in it, like the opening is very easy. It opens up super wide. Um, and having a bag that you really trust is, is super important. I really dislike dry bags. I like having a, you know, a watershed dry bag. I like having uh, a soft padded bag around the camera gear inside of it. And so like, that would be tip number one is get something that's easy to get in and out of your boat with. Um, that doesn't take up a ton of room in between your legs, uh, because I, that's where I do carry mine. Um, I want to be able to get it in and out and, you know, dry boxes hurt when they're in between your legs. Uh, <laughs> there's no two ways around it. So that'd yeah, be tip yeah. number one. Um, tip number two, uh, invest in a variable ND filter. So basically what an ND filter is, is it's, it acts like sunglasses for your lens and, allowing yourself to have one of those variable NDs allows you to change how much light's coming into your camera. And so if you're shooting video, it allows you to abide by the 180 degree rule. And so what the 180 degree rule is, is if you're shooting, say, 60 frames per second in your camera, then your shutter speed should be 1 120th of a second. So it should be 1 over 120. And the reason for that is the motion blur that's created in the image is the same way that your the human eye refreshes. So mm. it creates the most real looking motion blur uh, in your image. If you shoot at a really high shutter speed, the footage actually looks kind of jittery. Now there's some places and that you may want to break that rule. If you're shooting super slow-mo or anything like that, you can definitely break that rule. But even in the slow-mo footage, I've found that if I'm shooting at 160 frames per second or something like that, I still like using the 180 degree rule because even when you slow it down, it's still not that super digital sharp look. So that would be tip number two is pick up the variable ND. And then for photography, the reason for that as well is if you're shooting people running waterfalls, right? You're going to shoot and open that thing up, let as much light in so you can have a super fast shutter speed. But then in between, when people are running laps, you can crank that thing up and really reduce the amount of light coming in. And you can actually do some slow shutter speed photos and actually focus more on the scene around it. And so you can kind of double your shooting efforts because, uh, uh, you know, by virtue of watching people run waterfalls, you're also at a waterfall. And you can also take advantage of the, the motion that's happening in the river. And that holds true for whitewater sections that don't have waterfalls as well. You can get some really interesting landscapes with that long shutter exposure. So that would be the other tip is invest in one of those. And a good one might cost you about $140 or so. But if you buy an 82 millimeter one and then invest in what are called step-up rings that go on the inside of your lens, then you can use one um, variable ND filter for most of your lenses. So cool. And then number three, um, always take your camera, you know, again, it is really easy to not want to carry the camera and potentially extra lenses and things like that. Because again, you know, we're carrying in our boats, we're carrying in our first aid kits, we're carrying in, you know, extra equipment 
And then all of a sudden we're talking about another six or seven pounds. And I know when I'm feeling lazy, it's really easy to come up with a reason for why I shouldn't bring the camera. Yep. <laughs> and uh, also one of the other big things is just getting in and out of your boat over and over again. Um, sometimes it feels like it can kind of break your flow down the river. And from time to time, I do actually need to slow down and not shoot photos and just go kayaking for myself. But, uh, you know, it is easy to come up with a number of reasons for not shooting photos. So I, I, I like how you say sometimes you need to go kayaking for yourself. I, I definitely have the same situation. Um, but, but on the flip side, I also, I regularly think that, um, I regularly think that, you know, I'm glad that I brought my camera on this day because this amazing thing happened that I, that I would have missed, uh, otherwise. And so the, the, the simple advice is of just bringing your camera, it at least gives you the option to stop, take that photo, share that, you know, that memory, that experience. Um, whereas if you never have it and you, you come and you're like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, a snow leopard down on the riverbanks. That's like a one in a million chance. You know what I mean? Um, I, I guess you've, you've definitely, you know, it's good that you just get to experience it sometimes for yourself. But, uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I also take, uh, or make, um, photo albums every year and I just have like a I don't know a, a bookshelf at home that has all these different photo albums so simply for the fact of like sharing it for future Nick's point of view that I can go back you know a decade and, and flip through a year and be like oh yeah that's you know the day that I had saw that snow leopard on the bank of the river or whatever um, it doesn't always have to be about you know posting and, and using social media or whatever but for me it's, it's so much more than that where it's just like a way to document and um, share with you know my friends my family my children um or just save it for myself uh later on in the future that you know i might i might forget that that one little moment uh i don't know i think there's just something special about taking pictures and and video and yeah i don't know maybe it's just me maybe i'm weird i'm not sure no i mean i think i think you're hitting the nail right on the head it's it's really fun to be able to to kind of flip back through them and and look at the things that you've gotten to do and you know, even I find from time to time, uh, you know, I haven't been down to Chile now in two years, but it's really fun to look through some of the photos, especially from the first year down there when everything was so fresh and new and learning how everything ran and things like that. And so it's, it's fun to see those pictures even pop up on social media from time to time as well. I mean, I think that's the reason why you want to do those things is be able to tie those memories to something that you can come back to. So, yeah, no, that's. That's amazing. Casey, I, I thoroughly enjoy getting to talk with you. I love your story and your journey, and um, I'm very excited to see where you go as you continue to take this side hustle. And I foresee creating more and more uh, career or passion project or however you want to look about it. But uh, I'm excited to see where you go with it in the future. Um, and I, I'd love to... Plenty, plenty of fun. Uh, definitely working for uh, wilderness tours in Ottawa kayak school has definitely given me a lot of opportunities to, to do lots of photo video work and keep, uh, keep out kind of the nose to the grindstone. So it's been really fun getting to work for them and it's, uh, it's only going to go up from here. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, Casey, I'm going to move us on to the next segment of the show, something that I call the fire round. Though first, let's take a brief moment and talk about the sponsors of our show. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. 
And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to make sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can get NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's ultimate bandwidth, you'll never have to worry about slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe. Or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Does your skin ever get the winter blues, feeling dry or dehydrated? It might be time to try Whey Melrose Place Body Cream. Fast-absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. It hydrates your skin and prevents dryness. It has high-quality nourishing ingredients like squalene, kukuasu butter, and coconut oil. So if you want to hydrate your skin and get rid of those winter blues, experience the new Way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to theway.com. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. And use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at theway.com. Dot com code believe and I am just gonna fire a couple quick questions off at you that I ask all of our guests um, Casey do you have a favorite quote that you live by a favorite quote that I live by um, no it, it believe it or not it's not really a quote it's just uh, it's something that uh, Tino Spate kind of told me my first year uh, down in Chile and it was just relax bro um, and I, I, you know, coming out of working at a hospital, it was always kind of high stress, high intensity all the time. And, you know, I, I can let that, um, stress kind of overwhelm me from time to time. And, uh, he told me just relax, bro. And, uh, for whatever reason, that's something that really, uh, kind of ring and home or kind of held home on me. Um, it's just that I needed to, to slow down and relax, uh, when things get stressful. So I love that. And I love the simplicity behind it and how it's something that I think we can all, uh, reflect on and, and realize, you know, in the hustle and bustle and busy life, uh, that we somehow all seem to get ourselves into just the, the simplicity of taking a, a deep breath and hearing a, a close friend whisper in your ear or, or just kind of in your mind, like tell you, hey, relax, bro. It's good. I, I'm going to try to implement that more into my everyday life as well, Casey. Do you have a, a favorite book or a recent book that you may have been reading? Um, the most recent book that I read was The Art of War. Um, it was a gift from actually my future brother-in-law, Joel. Yeah, I love that book. That's the most recent book that I've read. Um, certainly my favorite books, though, are the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. Uh, I like all of Tolkien's books, but the, the Lord of the Rings specifically 
Uh, those are my favorite books. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I never actually read the Lord of the Rings. I watched the movies, which I know is totally cheating. Um, but I have read, um, the art of war and, and I, I love that book in particular because I find it so intriguing how it can, you can implement that advice into any aspect of life really. Um, anyway, great book. Um, maybe I'll have to pick up the Lord of the Rings one of these days and actually read. Through You'll it. have to, uh, you know, my, my mom, was a huge fan or still is a huge fan of Tolkien, but, uh, those were our kind of mandatory readings when we yep. were not, uh, not in school. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Casey, what might be a lesson that you've learned, whether it be through mistake or through success? Uh, and this could be whether it be behind the lens or in the river. Um, but maybe a lesson that you've learned recently. Hmm. Lesson that I've learned recently. Um, let's see. I think probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned recently is, um, you know, just the importance of seeing things through. Um, there is a lot of kind of change and turnover, uh, and this is not actually re related to photography or um, kayaking. It, there's a lot of change and turnover happening at Wilderness Tours' new location, and we are doing a lot of upgrades to the property, and, you know, it's a long-term project, right? Like it's, it's something that's taking a very long time and seeing all of the little things through is the only way that, you know, we are able to progress further with the project. And so, you know, certainly seeing things through is definitely one of the biggest lessons that I've learned recently is just uh, how important having that follow through is. Yeah. That, that is great advice. And uh, that's probably, I don't know if it's a downfall of mine, but I definitely at times, uh, recognize that I, that I need to stick with things. I think I get impatient at times and, and especially on the long projects, uh, and, and kind of the, the future goals, I got to just slow it down and just see things through. So great advice there. And, uh, a lesson that I'm going to take to heart as well, Casey. Um, if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, um, all of your photos, all of your content, all of your portfolio, all the stories that you shared with others was to go with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen and a piece of paper that you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true. This could be for your fiance, Katie, for your friends, for your family, for future generations. What might your three truths be? Um, three truths. Hmm. Uh, I think truth number one is, you know, something that came up with COVID is that your family is your tightest circle. Um, you know, and, and that's not to belittle anyone and family doesn't have to be relegated to blood. That can also be your, you know, your close friends as well. Um, uh, but keep your family close, um, yep. and, you know, do anything that you can for your family. Uh, you know, it can be financial, that can be simply time, but, uh, you know, do what you can for your family. Um, the other would be, um, you know, I think taking time to reflect, um, I think, you know, reflection time allows us to look, uh, at, at the mistakes that we've made or, or the possible, uh, wins that we've had and, and learn from them. Um, so, you know, reflection time is most important as well. Um, and then 
after that, um, you know, learning to disconnect. Um, I think one of the things that became difficult for me uh, with, you know, COVID is I had just moved to Canada and it was a new place. And, you know, there are lots of wonderful people there, but there was definitely not that close friend circle that I had. And uh, I got very connected to, you know, kind of going down the YouTube hole and things like that. And so learning to disconnect and um, be connected with people when you're with them. So. I love all of that, Casey. Again, your story, uh, your advice, your wisdom, this has all been phenomenal. And, and I have learned a ton of value from this conversation, Casey. So thank you for your time. Something that I always try to do as much as I can is provide as much value as I can for my guests. So is there anything, Casey, that you are currently working on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? Um, so the thing that I'm working on or the thing that I want to continue working on is, and, and we talked a little bit about this as well, is there's a void in the whitewater industry when it comes to basic knowledge about things. And um, so one of the things that I'm going to ask you specifically to help me with is I'll also be starting a YouTube channel to this year to try to facilitate those things and uh, facilitate kind of those knowledge bases. And, um, you know, so I'll be reaching out to you to be one of the presenters of one of those videos. Um, so that, that'll be something that I'll be asking you to help me with uh, this summer. Awesome. Well, you can count on me. I'll, I'd, I would love to help. And for all of our listeners out there, stay tuned for Casey's uh, soon coming YouTube channel on all that is Whitewater advice, lessons. I'm, I'm, I'm excited myself to see kind of what you all uh, dive into. So um, thank you for everything again, Casey. For anybody that wants to kind of continue along your journey, um, what might be the best way for them to reach out or follow along? Uh, the easiest way to follow along right now will be uh, Instagram. And it's just Casey Bryant Jones um, is my handle. But uh, again, you know, the, one of the big goals for this year is to have a, a kind of like a portfolio website. And with that, there will also hopefully uh, be a place for video content and blogs and things of that nature as well. So that will be a good one. And then YouTube is also Casey Bryant Jones as well. And uh, once that video content starts to roll out, um, it'll likely change names. Haven't figured out what that name will be yet, but uh, we'll go from there. Very cool. Well, if you guys haven't already, go give Casey Bryant Jones a follow on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, there's some truly magnificent imagery, um, some great storytelling. And yeah, if you guys are into photography or kayaking or any and all of the above, uh, definitely go check them out because uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I, I geek out over your images for sure. I think you're an amazing photographer. Um, again, final question of the day for us, Casey, what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome? Um, Honestly, like, I, I think it's leaving a positive impact on someone. Um, and believe it or not, this is not me talking about myself. Uh, I had a guest when I was working at the Nanahala Outdoor Center. His name is Randy Sparrow. And he's a former professional bull rider. He's in his 60s, like, and he's from Arkansas. And he showed up at this kayak class. It was for intermediate kayakers. He had lied his way through the, you know, uh, kind of questions and had ultimately kind of gotten his head in over his head when he first started in the program. And he came to me 
on day two. And I was like, man, I'm just, I feel like I'm in over my head and I'm holding people back. And, you know, I'll just, I'll go off and do one of the beginner programs. I was like, no, man, you're going to stick around with us. And he really has made one of the biggest impacts of my life uh, as an adult. I mean, he's just kind of the consummate, like, awesome person. He's always going way out of his way to help people. He's always going way out of his way to do great things for people. And, you know, when you meet him, when you get to know him, he just, he always leaves that positive impact on people. And the same can be said about the Chris Hipgraves and, you know, the Nick Troutmans and the Wayne Dickerts of the world as well. And so I think leaving a positive impact on people, regardless of if it's whitewater related or not, is the definition of awesome. I absolutely love that, and I think that might be one of my best uh, definitions that I've heard yet. So thank you again so very much, Casey, for all that you've shared with us. For all of my listeners out there today, I truly hope you guys got value out of this and enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Again, please go give Casey a follow on social media. Uh, Stay tuned for his website and check out some of his photography. Um, And I hope that we all can leave a positive impact on others. So if you guys did get value out of this, please, if you could share this with somebody that you think might need to hear this conversation, somebody that you know might be a friend a family member just anybody that you think might need to hear this uh, as well as if you guys could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast uh, app or channel that you are listening to that would greatly um, help us as we're trying to build this collective and community as a whole and I'm going to finish us off and sign us off by saying thank you once more, Casey. I am Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.